the bird show to ya. It's me, Dr. Crow, and my friend Skittles, the green cheek conure. And today, on St. Patrick's Day, we're gonna talk to you about the birds of Ireland. Welcome everybody to another exciting week on the bird show. And today we have our first holiday themed episode on St. Patrick's Day. So what better day than to have my friend, a green cheek conure, Skittles here as co-host. So welcome to Skittles making her bird show debut. So when I think Ireland and birds, I think majestic landscapes, the scenery, the castles, forests and nooks and crannies with magical fairies and gnomes and elves and many times uh, some of these fairies will actually be riding birds as their main form of transportation so in my imagination as soon as you add a unicorn to that it's perfection right skittles so i'm really excited to explore a little bit more with you today about the birds of ireland let's start out with the flocking news Today's Flocking News article was published recently in the Irish News, and the title is A Godly Intervention Results in Encounter with Long-Lost Great Spotted Woodpecker. So the Great Spotted Woodpecker used to be really plentiful until deforestation uh, in the 17th and 18th century, really countrywide, wiped out the species. And so since that time, hundreds of years, there's only been one or two that are seen every now and then. And these are mainly those who are blown off course during migration season, for example. However, in 2006, uh, rumors began to circulate that after a long absence, a pair of great spotted woodpeckers had been spotted in County Down. So breeding uh, was confirmed three years later. Since then, the bird has reestablished itself in the counties Wicklow, Dublin, Antrim, Down, and Fermaga. Fermanaga? I'm, I'm gonna butcher that. Interestingly, DNA analysis of these great spotted woodpeckers indicates that they're actually British, of British origin. So the species has been recovering well over in Britain and apparently well enough that paired with favorable easterly winds and more inviting woodland habitats that have been planted in Ireland since the initial deforestation have established uh, the first breeding colony uh, in a very long time in Ireland. So great news for the great spotted woodpecker and congratulations to Ireland for the return of a very magical species. So next we're gonna dive into bird tales. Bird tales. So for today's bird tales, um, I'm relying heavily upon the book called Ireland's Birds, Myths, Legends, and Folklore by Niall McCorter. Don't know if I said that right. It's an amazing book. It was published in 2017. I highly recommend you get your hands on a copy because what I'm going to talk about now is just the tip of the Irish iceberg. Uh, the book kind of does a really nice overview of talking about Ireland's birds how they're mentioned a lot in Irish poetry. There's even a lot of poems that will have 
the Celtic version and the English version side by side. And somehow a lot of them still rhyme in both languages. So I'm not really sure how they accomplished that, but I like it. <laughs> so not only are they uh, mentioned a lot in Ireland's uh, famous nature poetry, birds are often symbols in Celtic art. They take a prominent part in a lot of place names in Ireland. So a good example of that is Crow Castle, which is in North County, Dublin. There's a lot of early legends and folklore about birds. So in Ireland, just as we talked about on last episode on sacred birds, often they're seen as souls of the dead um, or even angelic spirits that are coming to visit. One story that I thought was perfect for today, seeing as it is St. Patrick's Day, is a story about St. Patrick being visited by angelic white birds. During St. Patrick's vigil, he was visited by a flock of white angelic birds who came to comfort him. They beat the lake with their wings until it shone silver, and they sang to him, Oh, Patrick, rise and come, oh, protector of the gales, bright and glory. Or not a British accent, it would be an Irish accent. <laughs> Let's try that again. Oh, Patrick, rise and come, oh, protector of the gales, bright and glory. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Shh. Thank you, Skittles. Next, we're going to do a little bit more of a deeper dive into some specific birds that appear a lot in Irish folklore and legends. So first, we're going to start with the robin. So the robin, like my friend Skittles here, uh, has a red breast. Most of the stories about robins have to do with trying to understand how the robin got its red breast. Uh, in Ireland, which has a big Catholic background to it, there's many stories that have to do with Christ and the blood of Christ as being the origin for the robin's red breasts. So in one story, a robin actually plucked a thorn from the crown of thorns that was on top of Jesus's head. In another version, the robin actually tried to help Jesus with his wounds and was trying to put uh, pieces of moss and leaves on top of it and in effect got a drop on the breast through that. And in a third story, the robin was actually trying to take the nails out of the hands and feet of Jesus and that was how they got in contact with the blood. So there's actually one final version that has a few more than twists and turns to it. And that is the story where the Robin was trying to help Jesus avoid his prosecutors. As Jesus was being chased, a magical field of wheat appeared in order to hide his route. And he was already bleeding, and so there were droplets of blood that were giving away his trail through the wheat. Legend has it that the robin actually came and laid onto those droplets of blood, thereby soaking them up and disguising the path that Jesus had taken so that he could try to escape from his prosecutors. Now, it would have worked, but in the story, another character showed up who will be talked about more later, which is the wren and the wren actually gave away Jesus's location. So not only is the robin's breast described as coming from blood, there are actually some myths and legends that say that the robin got her red breast from fire. In one of those stories, there was a young boy and he was tending a fire in the wilderness, presumably. And while he was sleeping, 
a wolf came and actually extinguished his fire while he was sleeping, which is entirely rude. But the robin actually had witnessed this as she was sitting nearby, not really wanting to see this poor young boy freeze to death and lose his fire. One of the things the robin noticed was that there was still one tiny ember left from where the wolf had tried to extinguish the fire. So the robin came down and flapped the wings as much as possible and finally the ember flared up and burnt the robin on the breast and that's where you see the red breast on robins today. So this last story about fire is actually my personal favorite about the robin. As you've noticed, there's a theme where robins tend to try to help people, uh, and this one is no different. In this story, it wasn't the fire that was a physical fire that burnt the robin's breast. It was actually the fire of hell. So according to this legend, the robin takes pity on those who are suffering uh, down in Hades and brings one droplet of water at a time down into hell in order to satiate the thirst of the people who are trapped down there. And the legend has it that in the process of this good deed, the robin managed to get her breast burned. So I guess no good deed goes unpunished. Huh, Skittles? Where'd you go? Come here, friend. Since robins are associated with such good deeds, it's actually really bad luck in most places in Ireland for you to harm a robin. And there's this really cool rhyme that comes out of County Donegal that um, is a curse that a robin will place on you if you steal her nest. And it goes, if it's a little person who took my nest, may God give him good sense. If it's a big person who took my nest, may God send him to death. And of course, there's a Gaelic version that's, I'm sure, very musical uh, to listen to. Uh, but I thought that that was, well, first of all, generous of the robin to give kids a second chance. Because, you know, we all make mistakes. Maybe we don't know any better. But um, yeah, pretty brutal that it's a death by, I don't know, robin execution or something if you are caught stealing a nest as an adult and should definitely know better. So I think there's a moral in there for, for all of us in terms of, you know, mind your own nest. Do unto other nests as you would have done unto yours. The next bird uh, we're going to explore in Irish myth and folklore is the seagull. So the seagull is often seen by mariners as the souls of people who have been lost at sea. I can't imagine losing a loved one at sea, but um, if I did, it'd be nice to go to the shore and see seagulls and think that they were there in spirit. So I like that. I think that's a really sweet idea. Seagulls can also give an indication, uh, according to lore, as to what is going to be changing in the weather. If you see seagulls flying inland, particularly in the middle of Ireland, which is quite a bit away from the sea, then that portends terrible weather. So I would recommend batting down your hatches and maybe parking your yacht if you have one. <laughs> uh, seagulls are often thought of as mischievous birds 
So perhaps it's not a surprise when I describe to you this next story that comes out of Irish folklore about the seagull. According to legend, the seagull stole the ability to swim from the oyster catcher, which is a little shorebird. Not being able to swim itself, the seagull convinced the oyster catcher to let it borrow the webbed feet the oyster catcher had for just one day. It was a pinky promise, webbed pinky promise, one day only. And of course, the seagull then didn't return the webbed feet. It's actually led to an old expression in Ireland, which is the oyster catcher's loan to the seagull, which indicates the loan that you're making is one that won't be repaid. So when you're out there in the world making pinky promises, make sure that the loans that you're making are not the oyster catcher's loan to the seagull and that you intend to repay those. Let go of my earring, thank you. So finally, today on our bird tales, we're gonna wrap up with some stories about the wren. So I mentioned the wren earlier in our talk about robins. In early Ireland, the loud song of the wren actually made it sacred to the Druids as it was believed to have the gift of prophecy. I think that that's pretty neat. But unfortunately, a lot of other stories have the wren, like the one that we mentioned earlier, being kind of a trickster of sorts. There's a story found in Irish folklore, and actually its origins are even more ancient. There's actually evidence that it may have been told as early as ancient Rome. And that's the story of how the wren became the king of the birds. So legend has it that once upon a time, the bird parliament of all the birds gathered together because they were gonna decide who would be their king. They decided the most fair contest would be whoever could fly the highest would become the king of birds. Well, naturally, uh, after they'd all taken their turn, the eagle was the one who could soar the highest. But unbeknownst to the eagle, as she was flying higher and higher in the sky, the wren had tucked away and hid herself in the eagle's tail. When the eagle was getting as high as she possibly could and just about to run out of energy, the wren popped out, flew just a little bit further, and won and became the king of birds. I don't know if that's cheating or ingenuity, but you gotta have hats off for that kind of outside the box thinking. So there's actually in Ireland a version that adds to that story, which says that on the way back down, not too happy about it for obvious reasons, the eagle decided to exact revenge on the wren by pecking it on the back and thereby limiting its ability to fly from that day forward to nothing more than flitting from tree to tree. They could no longer soar in the clear open skies as an eagle. I guess it's the price you pay for glory. So that wraps up our bird tales for today. Now let's end it with a bird of advice. A bird of advice. So in delving in and learning more about the birds of Ireland, one of the things that I discovered, which was somewhat disheartening, is that some of the most iconic birds in Irish myths and stories are actually extinct in Ireland, and that's happened mainly just in recent centuries. 
birds of prey like the osprey, the eagle, or even the red kite sometimes have been intentionally hunted to extinction, be it by gamekeepers, farmers, or hunters. And birds like the crane have had not only hunting pressures, but also habitat loss. That really makes me think about the birds that I see in my own backyard, maybe the birds that are part of my own personal mythology that I not only have stories about, but perhaps even see the individuals day to day. And to realize that their presence here is not guaranteed. I look at the statistics on what's happening to wild birds, and unfortunately, springs are getting quieter and quieter. I know Rachel Carson's Silent Spring was a really important work that really kicked off a lot of the, quote, environmental movement. And it's scary to me to think that in this day and age, our springs are more silent than ever, even knowing what we've known from Rachel Carson for all these years. I encourage you to get to know some of the birds in your own backyard. Get to know some of the birds in your own mythology, maybe in your own personal life, or maybe as important birds in the cultures that you're from. But I couldn't think of a better way to spend my St. Patrick's Day than here with you, sharing a little bit of my Irish heritage, also Scottish heritage, uh, by delving into some of the Celtic uh, stories about the birds of Ireland, muskittles. So thank you everyone for being here. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to us each week. We are a podcast and a YouTube series, so if you don't have time to watch, then you can listen. And if you're listening and you'd rather watch, well, you can do that too. So with that being said, uh, while we do what we do at The Bird Show as a labor of love, if you do want to support our work, one of the best ways that you can do that is by supporting the Carulo Center for Nonviolence. Our work there is focused on mending the relationships between humans and other animals, and the work that we do there provides the foundation that allows me to be here sharing bird knowledge with you each week. So if it's not too much trouble, and you have a dollar or two to spare, I would really appreciate you making a donation to the Carulo Center for Nonviolence. On behalf of Skittles and I, thank you again for joining us for another flocking good time. Happy St. Patrick's Day, and we hope we'll see you next week on Dr. Crow's Bird Show. Good stretch. Dr. Crow turns on the radio. To Dr. Crow's bird.